right, welcome back to another episode of Talking Ball with Pat Leonard, New York Daily News Giants beat writer and NFL columnist. Jet lag, but feeling great. You know why? Because listen to this. I've seen a lot of great sporting events in my lifetime. Okay, I've been fortunate due to my job and just being a sports fan my entire life. I've seen Kobe Bryant play in high school. I saw LeBron James and Carmelo Anthony play against each other in high school. Melo's team won. They were obviously stacked at Oak Hill. I saw Ken Griffey Jr. play at the old Yankee Stadium. I was unfortunately at the Bush Push game, but attended countless games at Notre Dame, got to travel covering covering their team as well. I've seen Stanley Cup finals with the New York Rangers and other squads. I've been to the Super Bowl. This weekend, I spent in London, right up there with any sporting weekend, honestly, that I've ever been a part of. Saturday, I go to Stamford Bridge, see the Chelsea 3-0 victory over the Wolves. Christian Pulisic, the American, puts one in the back of the net. Sat fourth row. And in soccer, or football as they say in Europe, fourth row is not fourth row from the high wall down to the field like in the NFL. Fourth row is the fourth row from the field, from the pitch as they say. What an atmosphere. 10 out of 10 experience. English English Premier League game that, I'll be honest, I don't follow the EPL and soccer as closely as I would like. It just becomes too much with the time difference, spending mornings on that, afternoons and nights on NFL and the rest of the sports, Yankees playoffs. So I don't follow it as closely as some others. But wow, if I didn't walk away from that stadium thinking, I have to start now because there was just nothing like it. The fans, the sounds... The whole experience of the game was just fantastic. But then to wake up on Sunday and to back that up with this Giants comeback win over the Green Bay Packers, which first of all, Saquon Barkley said it himself. I was sitting right there in front of him. He says, credit to the Packers fans who traveled for this, whether they came from Green Bay, England, Germany, all around the world. Tottenham Hotspur Stadium it wasn't just loud. It was about 75% Packers fans. It felt like it. That's how it sounded. The Giants were being booed coming onto the field pregame. Huge ovations for the Packers. And then we have to talk about the Giants at 4-1 and one after this win. We want to make this an NFL podcast. We'll continue to talk about all the other teams and things around the league in this segment and throughout this episode. We have a very special guest, NFL insider for CBS, Josina Anderson, is going to join us in the second block. So stay here for that. But I have to dive into something that I've noticed now through five weeks for the Giants. And that is that Brian Dable, Mike Kafka, the offensive coordinator, and Wink Martindale, the the defensive coordinator, they are giving the Giants a schematic advantage almost every week. Their four wins are due to outcoaching the other team. Not that the players don't deserve credit too. The story I wrote for the Daily News coming out of that game, as much as Daniel Jones has to be the focus, as much as Saquon Barkley has to be the focus, as much as the defense shutting out Aaron Rodgers in the second half is enormous, the players all the way down to the 55th man active for the game, everybody's contributing. A lot of injuries, one of the most injured teams in the league, and everybody is stepping up. Guys like Justin Lane at corner, Nick McLeod, Daniel Bellinger, the rookie tight end starting, Carter Coughlin on kick coverage, Jalen Smith, who just signed, had a great game, six tackles again. And you look at this Giants team and why are they living it? Why are they not just preaching next man up? Why are they living it? You know, Justin Lane told me, listen, most of the guys on this team have been overlooked. We're all hungrier here. And I think you see that on the field. And obviously, I think the most important thing is that they won that first game in Tennessee. They won early and the players and the team started to believe that what Dable was telling them, hey, it works. We got a result. That's something that coaches around here, even if they've put good good programs together, if you don't get those early results and that confirmation and that affirmation, it becomes harder to reinforce and harder to earn buy-in and then get the results later on. But you look at Dable, Kafka, and Martindale, you have Dable, a head coach. You have Mike Kafka, who is on a meteoric rise here with the way he is calling games and figuring it out, who is definitely on his way. If this if this continues at this trajectory to being a head coach sooner rather than later, 
And Wink Martindale, who frankly is overdue a head coaching job, he's not shy about saying that. And I think if it continues going this way in New York, you'll see his name pop up and get red hot as well on the coaching circuit. But just absolutely thrilling for John Mara and Steve Tisch, especially to see on offense, even with what they're working with or not working with from a talent perspective, they are figuring out ways to score points, getting creative in the red zone, leaning on that wildcat with Saquon Barkley, asking guys like Gary Brightwell to step up, Matt Breda blocking as a fullback essentially on the wildcat for Saquon on that big 40-yard run that really kind of snapped the Giants out of their bad early start. But Daniel Jones, if you're Jimmy Sexton, his agent, you got to be on line one with Joe Shane, because if you're not calling right now to ask, hey, are we going to talk about keeping this kid here for a while? If you're not doing that now, I don't know when you are. And I know we're only five games into the season. They obviously have the franchise tag the Giants do in their back pocket to play with, to retain Jones for another year after declining his fifth year option. But he only threw six incompletions in this game against Green Bay. Now, I don't think Joe Barry, the Packers defensive coordinator, called an especially good game. Um, I was extremely surprised. I believed he only sent next-gen stats. Next-gen stats said that Barry sent more than four pass rushers at Jones only 10 times, I believe, in 28 dropbacks. It felt like less watching the game live there at Tottenham Stadium. But Jones was, uh, frankly, he was he was dominant. I believe he completed 16 of his 18 pass attempts past the line of scrimmage. So he actually had more incompletions on passes, screen passes, especially early, trying to get to Barkley, et cetera, behind the line of scrimmage. He had less success on those than when he was driving the ball anywhere down the field. But this quarterback is stepping up and doing everything that's been asked of him. And I know they're managing the game in different ways. They're getting creative. The run game is obviously the key and main point of how the Giants have been successful offensively so far. But Jones deserves credit for being the catalyst of this comeback. And when you look at their possessions, that five straight possessions of field goal, touchdown, field goal, touchdown, touchdown, while Martindale's defense is taking care of Rodgers' Packers offense, I mean, you have to look at the quarterback. You have to look at Daniel Jones getting his bloody right hand taped up and bandaged on the sideline. And frankly, you couldn't tell from his demeanor that anything was wrong until after the game. You could see it. Obviously, they showed that on the broadcast. But he's just gritty. He's gutsy. And I know Benny Fowler, who comes on this podcast and is a regular guest of ours, one of the few people who has not wavered banging the table as Daniel Jones as a franchise quarterback. And I think the Giants have to think a lot about that if these games keep going this way. Something noteworthy there, Brian Dable unsolicited in his praise of Jones after the game, which I think needs to be looked at and examined and understood that that's significant because throughout this process in the summer, Joe Shane, the GM, Dable, a lot of tempered comments and enthusiasm when asked about Daniel Jones. The plan here, we all know, was to rebuild knowing that this team was probably going to struggle and have a high draft pick next year. Jones and this coaching staff and this team are throwing a wrench in any idea that the Giants might have a draft pick, at least so far. Maybe the injuries will catch up to them. But right now, you have John Mara in January saying that the Giants believe Daniel Jones is the guy, and you have him reinforcing that he is, and you have Brian Dable after the game, without being asked about Jones yet, stepping up and saying, the quarterback was excellent, he's had a few games like that now, and I'm glad he's our quarterback. That was the strongest statement yet by anybody with significant power in the Giants, not named John Mara, the new regime coming in, that Daniel Jones right now at this moment is their guy and they like it that way. So we'll see where that goes. Now, when the Giants, like a team like this wins, they don't have any money to spend, but does Cole Beasley come out of retirement even for a minimum salary because the Giants are turning into possible contenders? Does Odo Beckham Jr. forego returning to the Los Angeles Rams, for example, to a Giants team that even if they don't have enough money to give him the incentives that he would like because they're clearing cap space, he sees the post-career opportunities in New York. He sees the value of returning to this market. He sees the opportunity to possibly help another team that he has an affinity for go on a run like he did last year with the Rams. These are all things that you have to think about and consider, and that do happen when teams win games. 
So what a great experience, especially, I'll be honest, got a little goosebumps and chills before the game, you hear the two national anthems. And I got to see the singing of the national anthem, but in God Save the King, not God Save the Queen, obviously, with Queen Elizabeth passing away and Charles now taking the throne. God Save the King. That was an interesting thing to hear sitting there in the stands and uh, just part of taking the whole experience in. Got to tour Tottenham Hotspur Stadium around the area and then along with Stanford Bridge, just an incredible experience. Now, before we get to our second segment with Josina Anderson, wanted to point out a couple things that I noticed around the league this Sunday and this weekend. Number one is I saw when Matt Rule got fired from the Carolina Panthers, not a surprising thing. When that happened, though, I immediately saw Jay Glazer report that teams were going to start calling the Panthers about all their players. Now, yes, that happens in these situations. And and sure, when a team sees its season going off the rails, it might sell off a piece here or there or a ton of pieces, depending on where they are. But the Carolina Panthers aren't far away from rebuilding in the first place, from starting the rebuild with Rule. He was in at the beginning of his third season here. So given that, you look at their roster, they've been accruing solid young talent with high draft picks already recently. Brian Burns, Yeter Grossmatos, JC Horn, Iki Aquanu, the tackle. These aren't players you sell off. Even DJ Moore, I know he's a little bit older, but when you come in, if you look at this Panthers team, they don't have a quarterback. We know that. We knew it coming in. Anybody who was telling you that Baker Mayfield was going to be the solution was lying to you. Ben McAdoo is a good coach. But this is what they have on a per- from a personnel standpoint, and it just wasn't going to be great with this player or any of the players they've had a quarterback. But if I'm the Carolina Panthers, if I'm owner David Tepper, I'm not. This isn't a fire sale. You have good players there, and if I'm a head coach or a, an assistant, a coordinator looking at Carolina as my possible next job, I'm if I'm on the phone or poking around, I want it to be known that no, 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 I like a lot of the roster. I see here. I like a lot of the players on this team. Please do not dismantle this and make me start fresh. I will start fresh trying to acquire a quarterback, but don't make me tear this roster down when there's a lot of good players to build around. So that's something I think to keep in mind with Carolina. Thinks some credit is deserved and should be thrown New England's way, specifically to former head coach of the Giants, Joe Judge, and former Lions head coach Matt Patricia, because I know everybody, listen, everything that everyone had reservations about with the Patriots offense was looking to be coming true early in the season. And they were struggling, they were scuffling, particularly just Matt Mac Jones turning the ball over. And the Patriots, of course, have had some bumps in the road early on. But Judge and Patricia, and especially Judge, they've spent a lot of time working with the rookie quarterback out of Western Kentucky, Bailey Zappi. And listen, I know they kicked a lot of field goals in this win, but they beat the Detroit Lions 29-0. They shut them out. In a year, in a league, in an NFL now where parity is king and almost every game feels like it's going down to the wire and teams are more even than ever with the salary cap regulating what teams can acquire and how much they can build, they shut out a team that was one of the higher scoring teams coming into the league. I know they've had injuries, but Belichick, of course, out coaching Dan Campbell, not hard to see coming. But Zappi, 17 of 21 with a touchdown and a pick. I mean, he started this game. He finished this game. He won this shutout over the Lions. And Judge and Patricia, for all the heat they've taken, spent a lot of time behind the scenes working with this kid. And the fact that he won a start, a shutout start, over a good NFL team on Sunday We're going to talk about Brian Dable and Mike Kafka and Wink Martindale and what they're doing well and a coaching advantage there. This New England staff, you know, I don't know if they deserve to be mocked as much as they are. So something to keep in mind there. And I think, listen, team makes mistakes, offense looks bad, coaches deserve blame. When the team looks good, especially a rookie quarterback starting that no one believes should even be starting in the first place or expected to this early, wins a start like this. You got you to gotta give a golf clap to the, to the staff that got that player ready to play. And finally, though I don't want to spend too much time on this because it makes me look bad. Las Vegas Raiders, man. One and four. Coughing up one to the Chiefs. And listen, I took the Raiders to cover this spread. I think it was seven going in. 
because they typically seem to play the Chiefs and Mahomes close. And they were starting, it looked like, to figure it out on the offensive side of the ball, especially with Devontae Adams. But listen, good teams find ways to win close games. Bad teams find way to, ways to lose them. And the fact is you can't let Travis Kelsey or any team's best player and number one th- threat get not only four touchdowns, but get completely free and wide open for four touchdowns in a game, in a game decided by one point. And yeah, the two-point conversion. There was there were a lot of questionable bad coaching decisions this weekend. Brandon Staley with the Chargers continuing to make you shake your head at the end of that one. Josh McDaniels, I understand the idea. They still got the ball back and had a chance to score. Is going for two there the right play? I think you tie the game. You know, I think you you show, you know, and forget about the emotional part of just showing faith in your team. But I think that you're overthinking these things sometimes. Obviously, Patrick Mahomes, my preseason MVP pick, looking everything like it. Josh Allen, of course, a stud in Buffalo as well. Yeah, hey, listen, if you if you don't try to win the game there, knowing that Mahomes is on the other side, do you pay for it anyway? Maybe. But your team is desperate for a win. I don't think you take a tie away from them with the extra point there. I think you keep going. But that's what I have on the NFL coming out of a stirring, exciting weekend in London. Can't recommend going to an overseas NFL game enough. Hotspur Stadium was fantastic. If you want to know more about how they convert the field, how they slide out the grass pitch that the Hotspur played on, and how they build up and reveal the turf underneath that the Giants, Packers, Vikings, and Saints played on this year, and the construction of a stadium that the NFL put millions into as the first purposeful built NFL stadium overseas in Europe. Please go to my New York Daily News sports page. Go to my Instagram and TikTok for videos, a time warp of how they do that. And just note that NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell did say at a fan event in London and acknowledged that a division, a European division in the NFL down the road is not out of the question. Because right now, what they're seeing is rabid support overseas throughout the world for this sport continuing to grow. And with the time changes and the challenges of flying back and forth, no reason not to start considering constructing stadiums like this overseas that then can house half of a schedule, let's say in Germany, England, a few other countries, and then they don't have to be flying back and forth US to England or US to Europe every week to get it done. But a fantastic environment, event, my practice video, love seeing that going viral from the Giants practice in Ware, England, in the countryside, one of the most beautiful settings I've ever seen for a practice for a professional team. 10 out of 10 experience at Chelsea, 10 out of 10 experience in England from Thursday to Monday. Can't recommend it enough. And can't recommend enough that you stay with me now as I talk to Josina Anderson, the senior NFL insider from CBS Sports. All right. Welcome back to Talking Ball with Pat Leonard. Very special guest this week, senior NFL insider for CBS Sports, host of Undefined with Josina Anderson and the crew NYC. You can find her all over social media on YouTube. You already know. Josina Anderson, thanks so much for joining me. Yes, I appreciate it. You know, in my in, in my new home, yes, with CBS Sports, we definitely uh, been on the road a lot, and I have been on the West Coast, East Coast, all over the place, no rest. So uh, hopefully, I'll get through this interview, and it'll be English. It won't be uh, in some clicking language. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I am just trying to illuminate how tired I am. <laughs> I was that was actually going to be my first question. Like, give me the week in a life right now of Josina Anderson because I see you at a different game, seemingly in a different part of the country every week in the locker room. Saw you with Darius Slay after the Eagles win in Arizona. Like what is a typical week for you right now? So if I rewind it back to a Saturday, uh, if I have a road game, if I have a road game, um, I leave on Saturday. Sometimes it'd be Sunday. If you know, if it's a Sunday game or, you know, if I, if it's close, I might leave the day of, you know, so you never know. 
Um, so mm. people out there, don't be trying to calculate my moves because you don't never know. Um, <laughs> but anyways, yes, you got to be, you know, when you're a female, you got to be thinking about stuff like that. No but uh, my point is, is that, yes, yeah, so um, if I'm away, I leave at some point and um, go to the game, do the game, come back at some point. Sometimes it's the, the day of the game. Sometimes it's the next day, depending on how tired I am, how long the game is, what's going on, how I'm feeling. Uh, and then, you know, after I come back, then Tuesday is typically the day that we tape my show. So, uh, we'll do the podcast. And then if we also have to do an in-person show, which we're trying to continuously raise money to, to tape those in person production is very, very, uh, expensive, particularly in New York. So anyone listening to this show, if you want to donate to my show, you can always DM me on Twitter. I'll give you my cash up. I won't do it on this, but you can get it. Do it. If you do want it. To. Um, so yes, we're doing that. And then, so, so sometimes on Tuesdays, Pat, we'll tape up to three shows. <laughs> um, wow. so it can, it can be a lot on Tuesday. Wednesday's usually somewhat of a day off. And I say somewhat only because, Thursday we tape again my podcast for the for the other show and um and then I usually do my uh, CBS hit either Thursday or Friday depending on the week and what my flow is and then we start it right back over again so really not getting you know two like any pretty much any days off because <laughs> um, <laughs> you're you're doing something every day and this is why when I was at ESPN Pat um, and and even now uh, why they will emphasize reporters and I don't know if they do this at New York Daily News or what have you uh, giving us a bye week by weeks or what have you because you literally have to take the week off in order to just get some time off you know what I mean no 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 question about it yeah you you don't. The idea of having like a five day work week in a seven day week in the NFL season, it's cute to think that you might get it, but that's <laughs> not cute. what we do. It's not happening, right? And there's um, always drama, stuff going on, Landon, OBJ. You know, yeah. I mean, you can just think of like all the headlines, even outside of New York, just everything that is, I mean, it's literally something. So you just mentioned it. So let's get right to it. Sure. I don't want to make anybody wait. You got no. New York buzzing. You no. know it. I know it. There's Landon, yeah, but but yeah, exactly. What are you talking about? So there's OBJ. So I'm just putting it to you. I'm going to ask you direct. Sure. So the Giants play the Cowboys on Thanksgiving Day. Okay. Sure. I'm just picking that game because of the time frame. Odell getting healthy. You know, let's just say hypothetically he's signed somewhere by them. So let's just use Thanksgiving Day. Giants playing the Cowboys. Joe Cena is Odell Beckham Jr. on the Giants at that time. Well, I have to answer that in a few different ways. Number Uh, one, no, no, no. And and there's a reason why you're going to understand here in a second. Number one, um, if he were to ask me my opinion, I would tell him no, but I would tell him no for all teams. I do not think relative to the fact that he uh, uh, injured the ACL during Super Bowl, which was, I think, Valentine's Day week going against your timeline, Pat, that would be uh, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November. Um, yes, technically nine months is enough time. Um, if I counted that right, did I do that right? Yeah, I think so. (laughs) Okay. So, uh, you know, yeah, I have to count on my hands like a, like a six year old. Um, so (laughs) technically that you're right. That is enough time to heal the ACL, um, just for people's reference out there, people like Adrian Peterson, Wes Welker, uh, Wes Welker, I, do, I believe, did it in five plus. Adrian Peterson did it in about six, although the season started later. But having seen Adrian in person at the five month uh, mark, and that was the season he went on to do 2000, I believe, 97 rush yards. Trust yeah. me, at the five month, six month mark, he was ready to go. And that's from a track eye. Um, Insanity. So with the nine month mark for uh, OBJ, I think what's more consequential for him is the fact that it's the second one. And I I think that he really just needs to make sure like he knows, like he knows, and then some more, some more that that ACL is okay. Because if something were to happen again, particularly Pat, where we're seeing the injuries on turf and all those other things, I think it would have more of an impact on his long-term scenario, if it were to happen again. Um, And that's not to say that he couldn't come back, but obviously it makes it exponentially tougher, psychologically, emotionally, all those things. So if he asked me, which, you know, I don't know if he will or not, but if he, if he (laughs) does, I would, I would say, you know, at least wait to playoffs beginning, allow those, you know, survey to Uh uh, allow yourself to survey the full land and see what's going on. Now, uh, is it, do I, do I believe to answer your question that OBJ is open to returning to the giants? Yes. 
Um, I can get into more why I believe that, but I think for people listening to me, I've covered the Giants now for uh, almost uh, 10 years that I've been here in town or what have you. Uh, obviously, I'm not going to say things that are not informed. I'll just leave it at that. So no do I think he's interested uh, or open to it rather? Yes, I do. Uh, and that follows. And also that also illuminates why I tweet things. You know, it's not, it really, to so some people who don't follow me all the time or just trolls or whatever, you know, I, I've uh, listen, I have been covering the NFL for 20 years. If I yeah. break not one more story, I, I've done enough. In my first year at ESPN, I did enough. Okay. And that was like 11 years ago. So yeah. I, I, I literally don't have to break one more thing for anything. So, <laughs> If I'm putting things out there, not that I should have to underline it, but for the trolls, I do it yeah. because it's, you know, it's it's coming from an informed sense. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. You don't have to convince me, obviously. No, Josina, listen, we all know the conversations you have, the amount of relationships you have, <laughs> and then you have a lot that you never report that you know. There's more yeah. you know yes, that yes. you don't report than yes, what you true. do, that's but true. what you do report, and especially in this case... I mean, it's on the back page. It's sending people in New York in a tizzy. And, and let's be honest, New York is winning. The Giants are winning. They're four and one. And, you know, from your standpoint, and this goes for Odell, but also for other players you talk to, do the Giants look more attractive? Now, they don't have a ton of money to spend. But for a guy like Odell who, listen, the Giants couldn't pay him even with incentives the way another team could, even if he did decide to come here for a playoff run. But does the fact that they're winning – increase the likelihood and you know that the giants could land a guy like him but also make them more attractive and marketable to you know players you're talking to around the league right now who maybe are making that that type of decision. I think for all things considered in this conversation and I'll answer it like this I think hmm. both the micro picture and the macro picture are things to be considered and what do I mean by that the immediate you know uh, aspect window of this season and beyond. So I think you have to, you know, consider that. Um, when yeah. people keep talking about, you know, is this the scenario for OBJ and NYG and the quarterback situation and all those other things, I think the the total picture pertaining to what I just said is Got something, it. you know, to be considered. Now, now I think that you still have to keep your eye on everything going on because as a tr and, and relative to what I just said, as attrition begins to take impact, right? Mm -hmm. You know, one team might be attractive now, you know, because they have, you know, this quarterback or this quarterback, or they're winning like this or winning like that. But that could change, you know, in the second third of the season or what have you. So, you know, who knows? And, and that's the beauty of it. You know, Wes Welker is able to come off of his couch and join the Rams because at that point the Rams were in it and that was an attractive proposition. If the Rams were not in it, you know, uh, obviously I don't think he would be, you know, uh, coming off the couch and doing that. So there's there's a lot of factors. I don't think NYG is the only uh, team. Obviously it's not. But I do think that um, – all things considered, particularly when you're considering the entire window of, of things. Um, yeah. um, I, yes, I, I do think it's obviously part of the uh, conversation, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, you know, you obviously, you can't take away from the fact that other teams right now have stronger quarterbacks and that's just, you know, what it is. So is that going to be something to look at? Of course. Um, does it, you know, does attrition become a factor at some point? We'll see if that's still the case now. And then, like I said, micro macro picture. So I think with those three components of what I've said, I, I really think I've laid down somewhat of a train track of what to follow and what to look at, you know, relative to his decision. Yes. And what I'm hearing you say, and I think, so I was, I watched your clip from the crew last week where you were talking to Morris Chestnut and Teron Davenport and- <laughs> You said to them at one point, like you're talk, telling them some, you know, some things about Beckham and the situation and larger picture, and they were kind of resisting your suggestions or your even your information. And you said at one point, you go, you're not listening to me. Yeah. And yeah. that opened my eyes, I think a lot of people's eyes. And the, what I heard there and what I'm hearing you say now, not to put words in your mouth, but mm -hmm. this is just so interesting. And obviously you're on the inside of it like no one else is. I'm hearing you say that even if it didn't happen this year, the fact that Odell's eyes and heart are open to an NYG return, depending on the macro situation, a strong foundation being built, possibly a quarterback change, that this year, whether it happens or not, this door 
is open and stays open and it could happen down the road. I don't think you're not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think that I don't think that's everything, but what you yeah. what the part that you said is is uh not not wrong to to have a terrible double negative. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let- it, it's definitely not wrong, but it, it, it certainly makes it interesting. And as we know, I mean, listen. All you have to do is apply common sense, regardless of whether I'm reporting something or not. Right. You know that at the end of every year, you know, things evolve with not only coaches and, you know, the carousel for coaches, but players and 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 the composition of teams and how things look and all of those things, you know, uh, play a factor. So does money. I mean, we just finished interviewing Darius Slay and, you know, he was talking about, yes, money is a huge factor. So, you know. Uh, I, I believe, you know, the, the amount that the Buffalo Bills ended up offering uh, Von Miller in comparison to the Rams, I, I forget the multiple, you know, I know I reported it at some point, it, it might have been two or three, I can't remember what the multiple is. But the point of the matter is that in addition to, you know, uh, the family situation, all that other stuff had him jump ship from a team that he just won a Super Bowl with, and he could end up doing it again. And OBJ could be could do the exact same thing if he picks right. If he picks right. Yeah. That's right. Mm-hmm. Last thing OBJ related. Oh, um, yeah, no so going back, you know, coming out of the Super Bowl, the Rams and OBJ, despite the injury, obviously they both knew, hey, what a great fit that was, right? I mean, everybody had to see it. You don't need anybody to tell you it to say that, wow, it really worked out. Him joining them late. He gets his body right. You know, he he comes in, becomes not only a key factor, but one of the main reasons why they go on that run, win the Super Bowl, scores the first touchdown. So the whole time, the Rams have looked like, oh, yeah, return, resigning. Yeah, that looks like it would make sense. It looks like it would be obvious. My question for you is, is the fact that the Rams are struggling so badly early, do you think, in, in your opinion or information, does it make it less likely that Odell could end up back there or – is the fact that they look like they need a player like him back along with other things, does that make it still just as strong and, and likely a fit in your mind? I think the strongest assets that the Rams have going for them is uh, the heartstring of having that was the team that you won the Super Bowl with. Uh, the next biggest thing um, is location. Uh, the next biggest thing is coach. I think he really likes Sean McVay and just the vibe and obviously his an- intellect and prowess, you know, from an offensive standpoint. Mm. Um, and, but I do think it, and this is just my opinion, my assessment from all of my conversations, obviously, but I do yeah. think that the biggest drawback is, you know, just where they are now and potentially where their current trajectory is relative to how things are, are going. Um, so I do think that, um, the overall assessment of the team at the point where he's seriously involved uh, in free agency um, or at the height of it will uh, be an impact and should be a factor, should be a yeah. factor. Uh, I mean, listen, if you ask me my opinion, I'm always going to have my thoughts. But I recall the last time, you know, I was very uh, you know, shocked when he decided to go to the Rams at that time. Um, because earlier in the day we had spoken and, um, he, I didn't receive the, you know, kind of the thought process that it was coming that day. And, and that's how quickly things change. And next thing you know, Von Miller calls and Jalen Ramsey calls and I had just finished a hit and it broke. And then, (laughs) Oh, you didn't break OBJ. And it's just like, bro, you know what I'm saying? Like I, I, you know, I do work, you know, other things happen and believe it or not, even though I'm doing the show at two you know phones right here, I don't always have them in front of me and, 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 and things happen but even then the interesting thing about that story is that while it was breaking (laughs) I was literally because I think you know I think Kim had got it out like uh before me at the time Kim Jones who's with NFL Network and um and uh so he and I were on the phone and (laughs) we were literally still talking through it and that as far as just you know what he was thinking and me listening as a reporter and I think what's interesting about that story is you know, while you were being a reporter, you still are being human and literally listening to a person still flush through a decision and making sure that that's really what they wanted to do, despite the fact that it was already out and tweeted. You know what I'm saying? And and, and literally that's what was going on because LeBron had tweeted, you know, blah, 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 whatever, whatever. And the conversation at the time was, and I've talked about this, 
Um, yeah. and, and really what I'm trying to do is not so much is not so much overshare with regards to the OBJ conversation. It's really more so to illuminate just the the human aspect of the process of making the decision, making sure it's really the right thing for you, not only from a football standpoint, but I think even more importantly for OBJ, from a spiritual standpoint, from a family standpoint, from a man standpoint, and um, you know, and making sure that just because high level people had tweeted things out, including himself on his own self, that <laughs> that wasn't going to be the thing that really was going to push him. And uh, I, and I remember that he had and said this to me multiple times and even then that he was confident even then that he had made the right choice. And I was like, are you sure? Because I had felt it just looked like pressure. You know what I mean? And, and to his credit, he was very certain about it. And, 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 and there are times when we still have conversations where he still tweaks me about, you know, the fact that he was right. Cause obviously <laughs> you, you, you want a ring. So, you know, good for him. And I believe having gone through and the reason why I also bring that up is having gone through that process, and the way that he went through that, because I know even before, even though it seems rushed that day, but I know that he had taken solitude time as a man to take the space to make sure, it, you know, he was in his quiet and nothing else was talking to him. And mm. especially after having had that um, that experience in Jerusalem, which I think was really t- a point turning for him as a man and as, 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 a, uh, as a, the spiritual aspect of him. Um, so having, you know, kind of had that alone time after dipping in, you know, the river Jordan or what have you, um, as I just kind of think about the timeline and the arc of things that have gone on with him, you know, I, I really felt like he was especially, you know, connected and all those things considered, let him know that that was the right choice. And, and I think that experience will influence how he goes about it again, in terms of getting and arriving to the place where he knows, like he knows, like he knows that he is making the right decision again. That's an amazing window into the background of how your job works, how, and how you do the job as well. Um, you know, we, you and I were at the Super Bowl together after the game and Odell gets hurt, obviously a lot of emotion sneaks out a back door. Who's the one person he stops for? Josina on camera, right at the buses. Um, so kudos to you for doing right by, by him. And, um, you know, it's interesting too, you mentioned about how quickly the, the business changes and the information changes. And that, some of that happened to me during the coaching carousel this year with the giants where Dable, you know, one minute he's hot with the dolphins. And then, you know, 12 hours later, he's on his way to becoming the giants coach. Obviously some of that's still, you know, being litigated, but, um, (laughs) You know, people don't really understand fully how quickly things flip. Like something can be true on Tuesday that on Wednesday sounds dead wrong. Oh, listen, Uh, and and went through that with uh, the Baker Mayfield situation talking about, you know, uh, the, uh, you know, listen, let me just, let me just say this to folks out there on your show. And and I've already emphasized this already, but especially if I'm coming out with being extra strong and being extra specific, I don't care that Baker Mayfield ended up with the Carolina Panthers. If I tell you that the Seattle Seahawks were talking about Baker Mayfield and were interested in Baker Mayfield, and then NFL Network comes out the next day and says, oh, you know, that wasn't da-da-da-da-da-da-da, listen to your girl. I have no reason no dog in the fight out there that ain't the case and 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 and, and all, all you have to do too speaking about how things evolve with you as well is apply common sense if you're and and by the way obviously it looks like it's working out for seattle so kudos to them but yeah. if you're trying to move forward with geno smith and if you're trying to move forward with drew lock you know you want them to feel as you know encapsulated as possible relative to feeling like nothing else was happening on the sides so you do what you do. You, you put the word out there and it goes out and that just is what it is. And listen, I'm not saying anything that I haven't had conversations with Ian Rappaport about. Okay. That just <laughs> is what it is. I'm just saying we all have mutual respect for, you know, how we have to go about things, but also with, with the one girl on, you know, on that, you know, whatever, if I'm telling you it, that's what it was. That's, that's all I have to say. <laughs> no, that's, <laughs> no, that's great. And you're right. It's not personal, but that, that is how the business works. But obviously when you're putting stuff out there, especially when it's strong, it's coming from a place of a lot of information and a lot of insight. Mm-hmm. And that's that's why um, I'm excited to get your take on some other things around the yeah. league. Most recently, obviously, some huge news is that Matt Rule gets fired in Carolina. And mm-hmm. I was interested, Josina, in that very quickly, 
Jay Glazer tweets that people are going to start calling the Panthers to trade for some of their players. Mm-hmm. And obviously we know that happens when teams either bottom out or get blown up. But my first reaction, Justine, and I, I, you, you probably, you know, a ton about player movement and possible player movement around the league. My first thought when I saw Jay's tweet was, well, yeah, teams will call, but they have a really strong roster. Like if I'm a, if I'm the Panthers, I don't blow that up because they just started rebuilding and they have a lot of good young talent. Like why would I want to trade DJ Moore or Brian Burns or Iki Aquanu? But I'm curious what you're hearing and how you believe that situation will evolve, whether Carolina will recognize we actually have a pretty good team here. Let's not abandon ship. Or if you think that that's accurate, that they might sell off really key, really strong pieces like some of the players I named. So number one, let me ask you this. Did Jay Glazer say that teams are going to call or did they def- or did he say that the Panthers are going to sell for sure? What did he say? Because I, I didn't see it. Believe he said, I will, du- you know what? Yeah. I will double check it. Yeah. My recollection is yeah. that he said, let's go, yeah, let's go to the, let's go to the tape. Let's go to the tape. My- so he says, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it's on his Twitter, right? It is on his Twitter account. Teams will now be calling the Panthers, mm-hmm. trying to trade for some of their players as they hope Carolina will look that's to stockpile picks as I they thought. rebuild. Okay. And and that's what I would and that's what I thought. Okay. So the reason and there's a reason why I asked that because that's what I would think that he would say. Um and I and that's what I would think would be the point because obviously, again, a lot of this goes back to common sense. It makes sense for teams to call to figure it out, but to answer your question, I don't think that the Panther should, you know, have this wholesale. Number one, David Tepper is a businessman. That's how he got in the position to be able to acquire the Panthers. And you still have to be concerned with filling the current seats, uh, you know, at the Bank of America Stadium. So I think you have to be cognizant, not only of that, but like you said, maintaining your assets for whatever is happening next season. And, you know, making it and, and not bottoming things out to make it hard on if Steve Wilkes were to stay or if another coach were to come in, whether it be D'Amico Ryans, whether it be Sean Payton, whether it be Leslie Frazier, you know, whether it be, um, you know, Eric, Bien- whoever, whoever, you know, they may be looking at, you know, if it doesn't work out with Steve Wilkes. And oh, by the way, I think that's a great story that he gets another uh, chance to redeem his head coaching career after only getting one year in Arizona and everything that's going on, particularly with the backstory of the fact that his name is also so on the lawsuit with Brian Flores. Um, So that being said, I I, I think that they should try to keep as many of those pieces as possible because obviously that makes sense. However, if you are a deft um, uh, general manager, maybe you're able to identify one or two players that are attractive enough to, you know, get some sort of uh, counter compensation on that without, you know, you know, taking away too many key Jenga pieces to give you an analogy there in your structure. You know what I mean? So it doesn't just topple yeah. over. So, and that's what a key, that's what a key, uh, what you call it should do. You should be able to, you know, flip some pieces a la what Joe, I think Joe Douglas has done really well for the Jets. You know what I mean? And giving away some pieces and then getting back what you need to be able to come back stronger. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's still kind of early related to the trade deadline, but Mm -hmm. you know, it's never too early and Mm -hmm. especially in your circles with how many people you talk to, are there any, in your opinion, names or teams we should watch for, you know, big names or teams that you think might have an eye on moving some key pieces at the deadline guys who could become available. I mean, some teams who have bad records right now are trending in the wrong direction, Washington, Vegas. Detroit, Pittsburgh, Arizona, anything that you has bubbled up or that any kind of direction that you see that going in yet? Um, I don't have a specific name, you know, who uh, is one of my secret weapons that really helps to focus me when it gets to that point of year. Um, And I think we've did, we've done, um, we've done, you know, two shows relative to that. um, And we usually do it, I think around the trade deadline and around free agency, but I always speak to, um, uh, Corey Joel on, on Twitter, you know, Oh yeah. Joel Corey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I call him Corey Joel, uh, Joker because I'm like, <laughs> you have two first names and I, I call you my <laughs> Twitter name and I'm like, dude, I'm going to remember it, how you freaking put it on Twitter. Um, so, but no, he's Very really, really, guy. 
Yes, very. He's really good at you know because he like is like a computer and knows everyone's situations. You know, he really is a, a good person to just tap into to kind of figure out you know who to at least focus on because there's so many you know players. But you know, you have to once you put it in the context of what a team's money situation is, it mm. really does help you to clarify the picture of who are the likely candidates from a GM you know perspective. So he really and a lot of times, I mean, there's times when he's like right on the nose with that. So um, I haven't had that conversation yet. One of the things outside of looking at the money situation is um, is also looking at teams or look uh, looking at teams rather who are stacked at different, you know, positions. So like, for example, the Browns have a lot of running backs, you know, even though they've got Nick Chubb, even though they've got Kareem Hunt, you know, they've got two backs behind them that are particularly strong and a team, if you know it goes down at that position, may want to try to coax. Even though they love stashing those running backs, because if something happens to Kareem, you want to have a Dearness Johnson. But you know, looking at a situation uh, in terms of the position, and if there's just kind of a massing at that uh, in terms of quantity, you know, you can also look at stuff like that in addition to the cap situation. In addition to what you pointed out, which was you know the teams that are losing, whether it be the Steelers, whether it be the Lions, or what have you. So yeah. I don't have a specific name. Uh, right now, but I do remember. We know you will year. soon. <laughs> oh my gosh! I like he. He was like, "Look at these guys and whatever." Da 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 da. And he was like, right on the money with that. Bang, like, bang. yeah, yeah, yeah. So along with I that conversation, in addition, I have him on my show too. <laughs> well, we'll be looking forward to that. And yeah. um, so along with that conversation about, so the Panthers were talking about the fire sale idea and how that applies to other teams. So let's look at coaches. Who do you think will be the next coach fired? Not that I'm wishing this upon anyone, but let's just face it. Nathaniel Hackett, one and done doesn't happen a lot, but that looks like it could continue to go off the rails. Another name that I thought before the season might come up, and it looks like it's starting to now, is Ron Rivera in Washington. Especially, now I know he apologized to the team for this, but his comment about quarterback being the problem in Washington, I know he didn't just mean Carson Wentz, but... It, it has the feel and sound of a guy who is at his wits end with the situation, just, you know, same old, not working out groundhog day. But what do you think? What do you hear? Who do you think maybe would be on the hot seat next with, with rule out? Um, I'm literally pulling up the standings. Um, um, you know, as we go through this now, um, yeah. I mean, listen, I just think rather than saying a specific guy's name, although I guess I would end up saying it directly, I just say, you know, teams to, you know, just keep an eye on relative to everything that's going on. I mean, I would put Atlanta in there, um, Detroit, Hmm. um, you know, we'll see what happens, you know, with Chicago, um, the commanders. Um, I thought the Jets were one to watch too. I think, I mean, they still are, but obviously they've kind of surprised some people here with a tough schedule three and two. Yeah. I, I think that Robert will end up being uh, okay. I think, you know, it's really, first of all, I, I think Robert is a um, fantastic, you know, leader, uh, charisma, the, 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 the football know-how, all of those things. So at the end of the day, only one team can win and only one team wins the Super Bowl. And you have to be careful, especially a team like the Jets, almost kind of like Cleveland, constantly flopping head coaches. At some point, you have to dig in with what you're doing. And I think some of the adversity that the Jets were going through initially also had to do with the fact that Zach Wilson was out. And, you know, Zach Wilson, hopefully over time, will uh, show us that he's very serious not only about the quarterback position, but improving and maturing as a football player and as a person on and off the field with everything, all the intangibles that you need at that position. So I think that um, uh, the Jets, well, I think he'll be okay. I do think that the owner of the Jets needs to let the coaches do what they need to do in mm. terms of being the football experts. And I'll just leave it at that relative to things that I hear. Um, Great point. No, I think, uh, I think, I think you're right on the nose too, that just in general, the franchises who struggle seemingly every year, usually it goes above the names of the guys who are taking the fire and getting firing for it. Usually it goes all the way up to the top. Yes. So I, I think, especially in the jet situation that Woody needs to lay back and, and let the coaches do what they do. 
Listen mm. to you. I Me, I, I hear things. Stay back. Okay. All right. Got you. So, um, uh, what else? Um, I, I think the Chargers, even though they're three and two, is just to, just to keep an eye on it. Um, what else would I say? Uh, Houston, keep an eye. Although you know, you know, we'll see. Uh, I just think it just kind of depends on a lot of these things sometimes depend on what coaches are available. And sometimes organizations sure. don't intend to make a change, but then someone like Sean Payton is available or someone else is available. You know, uh, Marvin Lewis, I think will be back out there again, relative to the situation that happened with ASU. You just, you just never know. Um, so uh, what else did we talk about? Um, Cleveland potentially. Mm. Um uh, yeah, I mean, listen, and then it's so funny because yeah. every year, like that sounds like a lot of teams that you Colts, mentioned to keep Colts. an eye on, yeah. but the Colts, but yeah. you know, when we do, we look at last year, it was like basically a quarter of the league or yeah. almost a third of the league lost their job. So mm-hmm. this is, this is what it is now in the NFL. Mm-hmm. Um, bef- before I get you out of here, yeah. you just came from, like we said, the Eagles Cardinals game in Arizona and you were in the Eagles locker room after um, I haven't been having a chance to be around them yet this year, but of course, five and zero, the only undefeated team in the league. Can you just shed some light for me and for everybody on how for real are they, and then why or what did you gather from talking to to Slay to Fletcher Cox from some of these guys of why they're succeeding and maybe why they're not just a team that started hot, but they're going to sustain it and be a contender at the end. Lots of things I feel about the Eagles, so many things. One I would say is uh, one of the things I feel when I'm in their locker room, kind of similar to what I feel when I'm in Miami's locker room, is juice. I feel juice. Juice mm. is just like my own uh, metric category that's not on pro football reference, but should have like a quotient. Because if you just like if you were to able if you were able to visit all the training camps and just have make your own juice category and just put one to ten what you felt, and then at the end of the year see how that matched up. If it matched up with what you were feeling at sure. the end of the season, it might it might be an interesting thing to do. But I definitely those are two teams that I was around that I, I felt that, and so if they can go through and not have any uh, significant attrition, kind of what Miami's going through a little bit now with the concussion situation at quarterback, um, I think that those would still be two teams to watch for relative to at least, you know, making the postseason. Um, after that, you know, it starts from 0-0 again. Um, the other thing is I'm very, very impressed with Nick Sirianni. Um, I would have to say that, you know, before uh, when he was named head coach, I, I was skeptical uh, simply because of the fact that he's not an offensive play caller. When you go back to that coaching carousel in that year uh, and some of the names that were uh, available at that time, even including Josh McDaniels, um, who uh, Jeffrey Lurie did interview in that coaching cycle, and they went with Nick Sirianni. Um, you know, I, I feel like he is definitely, you know, showing uh, his thumbprint, his signature on the team. You know, mm. Darius Slade talked a lot about build, not just, you know, uh, building culture, but Darius, the word that Darius Slade used, used was building a family. That's what they feel is building a family. AJ Brown came on my show and said, in contrast to what he experienced in Tennessee, was that Sirianni lets them be themselves. And I think even those those are really simple, uh, you know, concepts. It's so important. You know, would would I even still be at ESPN if I felt like I could like fully, fully, you know, be myself? I think you know when you're reporting uh, and you have a job, any job that you have. You know, it's it, it's so important to feel appreciated, valued, to be yourself, to be able to have your full voice, to have your full style, to have your full, you know, uh, array of skills and be able to apply that in the way that you feel kind of is, you know, in connection with who you are. Those things make a difference to your vibe, your spirit and how you show up or don't show up at work. And I think that you see that translating um, the way that I even saw the Eagles I mean, I felt like you could even do a piece on how the Eagles warm up the way that I saw them warm up. Like, you know how sometimes two guys will do a drill in the back of the end zone and, you know, offensive lineman versus the D line. I saw like a circle of their teammates uh, from all aspects of the team just circling around them while they were doing that to watch, you know, these two, you know what I'm saying? So it's like they were yeah. giving that to each other <laughs> during the warmups. And, and so it, it's just little things like that. And, um, 
And I think Sirianna is just super cool and and it, and it helps, you know, to have a, 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 you know, a boss, a coach that's cool, but is also smart. And and I think Sirianna, obviously he has the pieces that obviously helps you know, but kudos to Jalen Hurts for putting in the work to get better. Now the last few games, you know, he hasn't really um, had the passing touchdowns there, but what they have been able to do is show you how they can beat you in different ways. Can I push you to start an official like trademarked juice rankings? Because <laughs> I think that's a fantastic yeah. idea. Because let, yeah. let's be honest, yeah. when you just said that, mm-hmm. I immediately like you might have a different specific definition in your head than I do, but we mm-hmm. I knew what you meant. Yeah. And I think an NFL fan knows what you mean when you say that team has juice, that team doesn't, even if we have a little bit of different definitions. I think that would be an amazing thing for you yeah. to have and start yeah. like juice an ra- official juice, juice, ranking. juice ranking. But you know, I mean, I don't know if I have the energy, like the late, um, um, <laughs> right. Um, you all this time you have. Yeah. No, what's the, I'm sorry. What's the reporter that just passed? Um, uh, the, the professor, mm. the professor from ESPN, uh, glasses, uh, covered Seattle. Seattle. Oh, John Clayton. John thank Clayton. you. Thank you. I, his name escaped me. God, God yeah. rest his soul. But yeah. he was really good about going to, you know, all of the teams and things like that. So the reporters, you know, whether Peter King or whatever that get out to all the teams, or even if you just, you know, add to it throughout the season, as you visit the teams and you cover them. But you know, like if you would have asked me about the giants, I wouldn't have necessarily given the team a high juice ranking when I visited you guys during training camp. But what, but where I did feel the juice a hundred percent did feel it is from the coach because I do remember that when I came to that practice he had on the sunglasses and he came out there with that strut you know what I'm saying Jordan like, look at Dayball and I even said that to him you know, I think we even talked about that that he was fully in his skin and that was uh-huh. such an abundant amount of juice that he was able the fact that at least this uh, this uh, this part of the season that he's been able to translate that transport that convey that to the team I think is what you're seeing you know what I mean because at the time yeah. it was just like who are the star- remember I was asking you I was like who is on the roster I don't I haven't been here since OBJ like who are these people I, and I, I was like <laughs> remember we were like talking about who was number 13 oh. at that point who was number th- what was his name absolutely well it's David Sills now David Sills but at the time it was somebody else I can't yeah who was it oh that's it I'm was trying somebody. to remember it was somebody remember. whose I last did. name was <laughs> I did go up to Sills the other day after your report uh, yeah. broke. Like you know, the day next day we we're in the locker room, and I said, "Hey, did you pick a new number yet?" He started laughing. He uh, said, "Oh, oh, yeah, there, see, see, yeah, because he's uh, wearing one three. He knows it. He knows." Yeah, I mean, listen, but, you. I mean, look. Um, everything also it has to line up right, and and the all, the other good thing about the OBJ just to put a button on that is that, yeah. you know, he could still technically be with the team, you know, for the postseason. And then come and then do something else. It's true. That's true. So th- and, and, and and I think you see, you're so good at picking up on things that my co-hosts completely don't listen to. I mean, I, 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 I was completely, that. I was completely like trying to say that. And they literally didn't hear me. I was like, uh, you, <laughs> you know, he doesn't just whatever yeah. team he's with, he could still go to another team for the next season. Right. <laughs> right. No, I love it. And, and just, see, I love what your, your overall message to not just football, but life-wise, whether it's your career, you mentioned about Dable, I think is authenticity mm. and how important that is, you know, both for these athletes, their decisions, the decisions you've made, the work you put in, how these teams succeed or fail. Uh, so I appreciate about yeah. I appreciate that about you. I appreciate the grind, <laughs> and um, I thank you so much for coming on. You can find Josina Anderson. It's at Josina Anderson. That's Twitter. That's Instagram. TheCrewNYC.com. There's a you YouTube channel. Go Jimmy, subscribe. Yeah, you said nothing about my Jimi Hendrix sweater. I see. I don't know if you saw that, but yeah, I respect I it. <laughs> no, I I respect it. I saw his swaggy right before we started. I was That's thinking. That's right. I'm thinking like, where can I get that? That's what See? I was thinking. This I didn't is say a, a label called Made Worn. They make really cool t-shirts and sweaters that, you know, kind of look worn in, but are all of all the kind of like OGs and music and things like that from Biggie to the Beatles to Jimi Hendrix. But uh, yes, my YouTube URL is thecrewnyc.com. <laughs> and while we're, talk- while we're talking about your swag, before we go, yeah. that ticker yeah. is absolute fire. I Thank love you. It. You know, I do feel like it makes my uh, my headquarters here in my house uh, look a little bit more digitized and, you know, a little bit more official. For So for those of you who are looking for it, just go to Tickercom Inc. on Twitter. That guy can. And even for you, Pat, you know, he might give you some free ones to, you know, put up in your space, too. So, uh, yeah, listen. I'm- <laughs> 
I don't I don't want to steal anything you're doing, but I kind of do, you know, yeah, like, no, I mean, look at Listen, it, right? Yeah, or maybe at least give you buy, buy one, get one free, and then you can mention <laughs> my name and then shoot, you know what I'm saying? So let's you know, go. I, Code I, I, I should call it the JoJo special. There you go. Code JoJo. Yeah, there you go. There hey, you go. Hey, th- thank you so much. And uh, we'll catch up with you down the road. All right, Pat, we appreciate it. Make sure y'all read all of his columns for the New York Daily News, and we'll be on it covering the Giants. <laughs> Thank you. See You're you. welcome. Talk to you soon. All right, great talking to Josina as always. But let's turn now to the betting odds and Pat's picks. I post them every week on Instagram. I make a pick on every game against the spread, and I'm here to tell you, puff my chest out a little bit because, ladies and gentlemen, week five, 11-4-1 against the spread, and now back into first place like I finished last season in the Daily News Picks Pool, 41-38-1 for the season. So back over 500 after a slow start, but 11-4-1 in week five. Big things ahead. Pat's Picks coming over on Instagram. Make sure you check that every Friday, Saturday. We'll get that going. I'll have a pick for every game in gold, bolded, on the illustration, you can go FanDuel, DraftKings, BetMGM, whatever app you use. Take my advice. Follow me on Twitter as well for things that update throughout the week. But I want to hand out a few picks as well for week six. So let's go. Jaguars plus two and a half over the Colts. I know it's a little fishy anytime these Colts lines seem to favor Indianapolis, like their upset over the Chiefs a couple weeks ago. Uh, but the Jags shut the Colts out in Jacksonville early this season. And I believe they're a much better team than Indianapolis. Uh, so I, you know, I just don't believe Matt Ryan, his offensive line, and Frank Reich can figure it out there. So give me the Jaguars. 49ers minus five and a half against the Falcons. I think the Niners are starting to round into form. Garoppolo's starting to feel it a little bit. And their defense and just their overall roster talent, one of the best in the league. The Falcons have been fighting. You know, they fought hard against the Buccaneers, not to not give them any credit with Arthur Smith running the show there. But I think the Niners really take it to the Falcons and are starting to assert themselves as, again, one of the better teams in the league. And the Dallas Cowboys, plus five and a half at Philadelphia. I do think the Eagles win this game, but I don't think there's any reason to look at the Cowboys right now and say they're going to be blown out. Eagles just played a close game in Arizona against a Cardinals team that isn't very good. And I know this is back at Lincoln Financial Field, but I think this is two good teams and Usually, so far this season, we've seen in the NFL that when two good teams play, these all these games are one, two, three-point games, and Dallas's defense really is that good, in my opinion. It'll be interesting to see how Jalen Hurts fares against one of the better pass rushes, defenses, and defensive coordinators in Dan Quinn in the league. And Another game I'm watching, Monday Night Football. I mean, the ramifications for this are huge either way. You have Russell Wilson and all of the fire he's been under, rightfully so, uh, coming out of last week's stinker and just the overall bad start for Nathaniel Hackett and the Broncos. Hackett could be one and done, could legitimately be the next coach fired after the Panthers' Matt Rule if he doesn't get a turnaround and look more competent running these games and managing these games from the sideline. So losing to the Chargers in division, falling to two and four, that could really send him and that team further off the rails. They obviously lost Javante Williams, which was a huge loss as well. But even on the flip side, the Chargers, of course, dealing with injuries, but Brandon Staley, several questionable coaching decisions early this season. They are still three and two, but if you lose to a Denver team that has struggled to score points and really looks like one of the most poorly managed on game day football teams in the NFL, I think that would only turn up the burners a little bit on what's going on with Los Angeles Chargers when I think everybody around the league believes they have one of the most talented teams in football, but they're not really getting it out of them. And particularly on the defensive end where Staley is a defensive coach, that's that's what he coached with the Rams, but the Chargers just struggle to stop anybody and they're not good enough, especially adding some talent in the offseason. Now, those are just a few of my picks and what I'm watching in week six. But if you go to my Instagram account at PL on NFL on Friday, I will have a full graphic and post all of my picks for the weekend. We do this every week. 
Again, 11-4-1 in week five. Let's continue to ride hot and make some money. Sponsors, if you're listening, I'm right here, man. 11 wins in a week. What are you doing? What are you waiting for? Speaking of sponsors, please, guys, if you like this podcast, I'm asking you, like, subscribe, uh, review on Apple, Spotify, on my YouTube page, Pat Leonard YouTube page. You can find that easily with the full video of this podcast. But we're getting really excited about the amount of attention we're getting, about the amount of views and downloads we have so far. But you look at the quality of guests we've had and what's coming down the road here on Talking Ball with Pat Leonard. I think you won't be disappointed. And it'll be great to have you all along this journey with us as it only continues to heat up, not only here in New York with the Giants, but in the NFL as well, all the way through the Super Bowl in Glendale. And we'll keep it rolling into the offseason. So like, review, subscribe. Thanks for joining me. As always, we'll see you next week on Talking Ball with Pat Leonard. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.